0: Hello, I am Jesse Kester, and I am introducing now my co-host Naomi Beatty.
1: Hello, I'm Naomi Beatty, and this is Jesse Kester, my sidekick.
0: Woo! woo. <laughs> I always try. I want to hit that woo on the beat, but it's um, it's not and working. I don't want to blast your ears out, <laughs> so, so I whisper it off beat. All right, that's enough out of you, so I got We don't need your shenanigans. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you? I'm
0: doing good, and, and uh, let's take a moment to welcome. To welcome our audience to to Movies the Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. Today, <laughs> we are talking about the the uh, Paul Feig. Is it Feig? fig Paul Feig. Feig.
1: Paul Feig. I think, actually. You know what? Sometimes just, I hear
0: it as Feig. Sometimes I hear it as fig uh, Just as
1: I said that, I was not sure. I think it's okay. Feig. Well,
0: clearly, we did our homework <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. episode. A lot
1: of research went into this um,
0: one. We're going to be talking about the the, the classic uh, romantic comedy. The romantic comedy. It's... It, it it anyway, uh, bridesmaids. We'll get into all that. Um, I know I, I, there's a couple things I want to talk about on this episode. I want to talk about porno jobs. I want to talk about first world problems. I want to talk about John Hamm's superpowers, and I want to talk about Act Two hissy fits. Anything on your mind?
1: I'm willing to talk about all those things.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for going in on me with this. Um, before we get into the film, though, what I, what I, I would like to ask the question: Did you experience any emotions in the last week? and so which which were the dominant ones
1: A whole range of emotions, Jesse. I'm an emotional person.
0: Which which kind of <laughs> hit the number one spot would you say? Don't worry, I will share my emotions also.
1: Sure. Um I'm going to go with anticipation.
0: Ooh, of this recording no doubt.
1: Absolutely.
0: Wow. <laughs> I've I felt um wait, let me ask you. What did you actually feel anticipation about?
1: <laughs> oh, just some things that are coming up.
0: Okay. Okay. I felt um I felt disappointment. We try to keep these evergreen, but I was uh, disappointed in Louis CK's return. I, I feel that that was a, a huge misstep, but he was not, I mean, he, the, I, I, I dislike evil, but what I dislike more than evil are enablers who are who say they're good Mm -hmm. Michael Ian Black came out really hard in defense of Louis C.K. coming back to the Mm -hmm. stage so that that type of enabler like Louis C.K. he was blacklisted in my mind Mm -hmm. Um, and now I had to put Michael Ian Black who I think Mm -hmm. is very funny like we're done I won't watch any more of his as long as he's standing up for Louis C.K. done you're out
1: yeah it's interesting i I didn't know about Michael Ian Black's defense of him, and i had I have sort of been avoiding reading any bad news. and so I heard about Louis C k returning to the stage and I was sort of like, mm, okay, not I, for me not yeah not not today, internet, <laughs> yeah. not today. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's I find that disappointing too. but I also don't know all the facts, so I'll yeah. uh, I won't be too hard.
0: On Michael Ian Black or Louis C.K.?
1: On Michael Ian Black. I don't know what he said.
0: Oh, uh, let's give him a chance. We're in uncharted waters. Got it. Like just the same. And the thing I was like, the thing I was thinking was like, they're not uncharted waters. Like we draw the map every time there's a sexual assault. And then the assaulter is like, how soon can we burn that map and get rid of it forever? (laughs) Right. These waters are very well charted. And then the charts are destroyed time and again and I'm really getting sick of that and sorry Michael Ian Black you're out and the other thing that disappoints me is I don't understand anyway I don't I'll burn through this quickly and then we'll get into the fun stuff you
1: have a lot of disappointment I
0: do I don't (laughs) understand why it's so hard for people to boycott Mm. other things like Obviously, Louis C.K. is problematic. He came front and said, like, I did that. There's mm-hmm. no, there's no. oh, did he, didn't he? What really happened in those rooms? Right. He said, I did that stuff. Just boycott him. Like, there's other funny people in the world.
1: Right. Well, people, I mean people justify the things that they want right so they want they like louis ck they like his comedy and they want to be entertained by him so they find ways to justify the things that they want and they'll say well he admitted it so he's not that bad he's learned from his mistakes or whatever so you know
0: i don't i, I don't buy it louis ck was number 1 in our house we were watching his show we would watch all of mm-hmm. his specials we would listen you know watch his clips on youtube my wife and i number 1 in the house the day it came out number zero on that like just yeah. out just they're out why can't they just be out I'm, anyway yeah. let's have some fun
1: and that was umbridge corner <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: I actually, I, I got in trouble for saying Umbridge too much on, on the Hollywood fishbowl. Oh, really? Swinky emailed me last night and said, you got to ease off that. So that was not me, Swinky. <laughs> I did not say Umbridge this time. <laughs> um, I think that's, that's good enough for the opening. Uh, can we move on to, to Bridesmaids? I Is think it? we should. Then, um, <laughs> then, without further ado, it's time for... The talk. <laughs> Let's talk bridesmaids. Would you be kind enough to give us a bit of a, a summary of the film, like a sure. bit of a logline? It doesn't have to be perfect, just something to, to get us all on the same page.
1: Yeah, I don't have a logline for you. The, okay. the short version of the story is uh, it's about a woman who is um, sort of she believes she's kind of at the rock bottom of her life. Uh, she has lost her business, uh, lost her relationship. And her best friend gets engaged and asks her to be the maid of honor. So mm-hmm. that's the journey of the movie. She's going to be the maid of honor and try to maintain her friendship and do a good job of this and um, keep her life together at the same time.
0: That was me. I bumped the mic
1: stand <laughs> this time.
0: That, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. And yeah, I don't know. Not that I mean, we try to keep it academic. But did you enjoy this film?
1: I did. I think it's, I think it's a very well-constructed movie and Mm. I think it's a very entertaining movie Mm. Mm. (laughs) and you disagree
0: (laughs) Uh, violently aggressively. (laughs) That's not true. That's not true. I I didn't enjoy, uh, the two hours plus that I spent watching it. Mm -hmm. There were a couple, a couple of good laughs, but there was a lot that did not connect with me. Um, uh, fair warning, Middle class, straight white male. I've got enough to connect with. I, we, we don't have to be precious with my emotions on this one. I can be wrong.
1: Well, and do you think that's what it was that um, that you didn't connect with because it's a very female centric story or? That's what, was what I
0: was trying to pick apart yeah. the whole time. Yeah. That's what I. Uh, Kristen Wiig's comedic stylings do not speak to me mm. much at all. Okay, um, Melissa McCarthy's do. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that she was very funny in it. Um, just didn't, it didn't, yeah it didn't click.
1: I understand that. I mean, if you, if you aren't entertained by these performers, then you're Mm -hmm. not going to enjoy the movie because a lot of it, the reason that it's two hours is because they that was me see you? one to one <laughs> uh, the reason that it's two hours though is because they let a lot of the scenes go on longer than they need to because mm-hmm. it, they're very much based in the entertainment value of those performers yeah. right yeah and I love Kristen Wiig so I'll pretty much watch anything she does so I will watch her for two hours plus you know okay um I find everyone in this movie really charming so I'll just you know enjoy watching them even if even if the story was uh, not as tight as it is, which it is very, it is very tight.
0: I, I didn't feel it was tight as I was watching it. I kept thinking like this scene could have gone. This scene mm-hmm. could have gone. This scene could have been half as long. It mm-hmm. did. It didn't feel tight at all to the, me. The,
1: uh, the story, I think, is well constructed. I guess is what I what I really mean by tight. Yes, it could have been trimmed. It didn't need to be two hours. There are scenes that go on longer than they need to because they're letting the performers. Improvise. Yeah, have fun. Yeah, yeah so uh, that was
0: my final note. Was they have fun? The movie,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. Now I, I will say I would not call this a romantic comedy.
0: That was the, that was the thing. As I was saying it, I was like, wait a minute, is it even? No. What would you call this film? Where would you a genreize comedy. it? Okay. A comedy. Interesting.
1: Women can be funny, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> women can be funny, too. The movie. That's what you saw. <laughs> I saw something very different. Okay. Can we open up that Pandora's box? Can sure. women be funny? I say yes. What do you say?
1: I think we have proof.
0: <laughs> I know. Wasn't Strangers with Candy hilarious? <laughs> it
1: was. There's lots of proof in the world, not just this movie. Yeah. But, no. uh, I would call this one a comedy because the A storyline... Mm-hmm. is the is about the being a bride or being the maid of honor and about the lady's friendship it's not about the romance with cute cop so
0: that was maybe why i i should have moved the needle and maybe i should watch it again actually is because one of the things that bugged me was that cop disappeared for like 30 minutes in the the first half of act 2
1: yeah guess and what cuz the story's not about him but i liked him <laughs> I liked him too Chris was, O'Dowd is great he was he's so fantastic. nice he's and, very charming he's adorable notice and, I called him cute cop yeah. I mean that's who he is right he has a great he accent follows
0: all the rules and right. he's so sweet
1: yes and he's a good guy
0: and I, I did miss him what do we what, what, what can we get into can, can I can I talk about porno jobs for a minute yes go for it um, this was the first thing that kind of like threw me off and I don't know and at the end of this, this talk, um, we can kind of take a, an, an overview of the umbrella of my opinion and see if I was from minute one out to get this film. Like mm-hmm. if I was kind of watching it looking to be disappointed, that's very possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's wait till the end to make that call. Okay. Porno jobs. Like there, there are these jobs in movies that I feel like are, are vocational pornography. Like she was a baker. I don't know any bakers.
1: You know they exist, uh, though I, there are baked no. goods in the world.
0: I know they exist, but I feel like these are these porno jobs. Like there's a, a head of a fashion magazine editor. Those that, are
1: real people too. They
0: are real people, <laughs> but the the amount that that these jobs show up in real life and that sure. they show up in romance and absolutely in comedies for, and especially for men,
1: it's the architect.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Or the
1: advertising exec. Yep,
0: yep, 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 yep. yep, yep or the lawyer who doesn't spend enough time with his kids like it's just sure. these these kind of i feel very generic jobs and when i see them on screen there's a, i there's a wall between me right and the film and
1: well i think that's a little unfair because i i think that that's if fair a, of if, you if a movie is not about that the world of that career then you don't want to give your character a career that's going to distract from the rest of the movie, you know what i mean? Like mm-hmm. so she was a baker and she worked in a jewelry shop. Like what other job would you have given her that was going to work within the confines of what she needed to do in the movie, you know? Jewelry shop
0: made sense. That one worked for me. It was it just felt like You don't
1: want anyone to have too glamorous of a job that it doesn't seem real? Not <laughs> y- Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: Well, I think they did a good job of like she had a passion, which was baking, and had See, obviously not succeeded this is at the it. Thing is I
0: might have been out to hate this film because she didn't have that job even, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this movie's bullshit because she had that job, but she didn't even have it.
1: Right. I, d- I don't think you were out to get this movie. My initial well, let's <laughs> wait. Well, let's we're, wait till well, the we'll end. Get up to the end, but but my initial gauge is that you're you weren't out to get this movie, but it does nothing in this movie aligns with things that you like.
0: That <laughs> might be true. It might be a little a callumay a little a I I wasn't out to get it. And just so you know, I watched right afterwards, I watched Ghostbusters, mm, the which is
1: original or the remake. No,
0: no, no. The Paul Feig, Feig okay. version, which is not a film about people having comically glamorous fictional occupations. Oh, I mean, Ghostbusters is, is like the most common <laughs> job we've ever seen.
1: That's totally blue collar. You're right.
0: Yeah. Who hasn't been a Ghostbuster? Like when you're in high school or right. something, you just pick up a couple hours here and there.
1: Sometimes you just fall into it. I mean, it's so common. Uh,
0: yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway um okay so i'm gonna adjust the needle and re, re-, re- evaluate the film with okay. a, with a bit more wisdom thank you for that um uh first world problems mm-hmm. uh what was the note i, I jotted this down with specific well, wording
1: any story about the perils and uh problems of Planning a wedding is a worst first world problem.
0: It was that was when I, when I checked out was when they when their stress was about whether or not they could get an appointment at the dress fitting shop. Like yeah. when that's your problem, I'm done. Like I'm yeah. just out. I'm not curious how it gets solved.
1: And this is even though I'm a woman, That yes. that is one of the aspects of the movie that I don't relate to because I just don't get like the the rigmarole of planning a wedding I don't find it appealing or necessary so
0: that's where I'm at too this is all based on the idea that weddings should be huge celebrations right. and I'm not not in that line so but, please I want to hear more about this from your perspective
1: <laughs> but I'm aware that there are many people who who think of weddings as the biggest event of their life it's you know their day it's they want to they're going to spend this is you know they're going to spend enough mm-hmm. you know like a down payment on a house on yep. one day yep. and yep. And they don't think that's an issue. So I know those people exist. So that part of the movie didn't bother me. I just don't connect with it.
0: Do you feel like, I mean, the movie cost, what, $38 million to make and made $300 plus million at the box office. Do you feel like the majority of that $300 million in was from people who love big weddings and finally saw themselves represented on screen? Or uh, is it more like us who <laughs> wanted to see the institution shat upon quite literally?
1: That's interesting. Movies about weddings tend to do well. Mm-hmm. Um bridesmaids and weddings those are subjects that women will show up for in the movie theater like historically. Yeah yeah. yeah. Um so I think that that appeals to many women because of the fantasy fulfillment of planning a wedding a little wedding escapist or, or, entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh and then I think you know the sort of the other women who who aren't drawn to that subject matter like myself would would go see this because of the female performers in the comedy. So. Okay.
0: Which of the female perform let's open it up. Of all the performers, who do you think were the 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 Kristen Wiig obviously, you're a bit of a fan. I Anyone love, else yeah. with a standout performance?
1: Uh, I mean, I thought Kristen Wiig's fantastic. I thought Melissa McCarthy was fantastic. Um, I really like Maya Rudolph. I don't think she had a ton to do in they, this. Yeah,
0: and Ellie Kemper, they didn't give her yeah. much to do. Sure,
1: I liked her though, like as a supporting character. Yeah, she Ellie her.
0: Kempered it up really yeah. in an Ellie Kemper way. <laughs>
1: yes, and um, the the other uh, actress whose name I'm forgetting now, the blonde who played the, the opposite of Ellie Kemper, right? Like she was the the married mom who. <laughs> Just wanted to go to Vegas and see male strippers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember her name, but um, I thought she did great too. So, oh, and actually, the um, Rose Byrne who played Helen,
0: she... The, the, she was the one who organized the the actual.
1: Yes, she was like the perfection.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I thought she was great.
0: I thought she was a very interesting character because I, I wanted them to needle it more. There's the part when her kids come up and they're like, shut up, you bitch, yeah. and run away. <laughs> I wanted them to explore the despised parts of her mm. character. Like, I wanted to know more about that side of her life because she was so flamboyantly perfect all the time. I wanted more cracks in that.
1: Interesting. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty uh, accessible stereotype, you know? Like, she's she was... The second wife, or more second, third something wife, right? Mm-hmm. The stepmom to these kids who didn't like her. Um, she was obviously a younger woman that had married a rich older man. So I mm-hmm. think there's there's okay. kind of enough there to go on. Like okay. we know who she is, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, we do. But when, oh, also, uh, just for, for, uh, measurement, I watched the extended cuts. So mm-hmm. if there's anything that we talk about, like I got, I had some extra minutes. If there's anything yeah. that we stumble on that doesn't sound familiar, that's why.
1: Yeah. And um, so that, that extra six minutes really made you turn the corner on this movie. Yeah. No, if, it,
0: if they had <laughs> trimmed six minutes, I would have been all on board. <sighs> But it, when you're when you're busting over uh, two hours...
1: Right, uh, yeah. I
0: feel like that gives me, as an audience member, permission to be picky about, like, hey, I could have used more of that stuff over there when right. you heaped on the mashed potatoes over there.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I mean, even though I really enjoy this movie and mm-hmm. I think it's well done, I could stand for them to cut 15 minutes out of it, you know? So. It's,
0: it's not tight, but right. that's not the product that Apatow exactly. shepherds. Exactly,
1: exactly. That is that's kind of his signature. If you think about it, are those scenes that keep going and just have room for them to keep going.
0: And also I think like, is that so bad to have a a two and a half hour comedy? Like you're getting your money's worth.
1: Sure. (laughs) If you buy your movie tickets based on Uh, (laughs) on on quantity,
0: not quality,
1: (laughs) then then it's right up your alley. Um, I, you know, I want the pace of the movie to feel enjoyable. So, Again, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have minded it to be a little bit quicker. That's the one thing about Apatow comedies that I don't enjoy that much is is sometimes you're sort of looking your watch going like, "Okay, this scene is over. You know, they need to move on.
0: Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. There's the the uh, the speech scene Mm -hmm. where they keep extending and extending. I loved it. I loved it. Not, on board. Not no. on board. You hated it. Not on board. I mean, that was
1: the joke, though, is that they kept it's a, tra- trying to yeah. one-up each other.
0: It's that, that kind of like big gamble. Like the family guy does it all the time where it's, mm-hmm. we're going to spend three minutes on Peter clutching his knee and saying...
1: Right.
0: <laughs> right. And if it works, it is a home run right. that like we've never seen before.
1: Right. It's another it's another version of the the ten percenter or the two percenter or whatever it is, right? Of you know, they I can't remember the I can't percent remember the percentage, but there's like um there's that phrase that it's uh let's just say it's the it's the two percenter. It's like the joke that only two percent of the audience will get. Uh. And so it's it's so worth it for that two percent. Oh I think, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah. a different version of it. It's like you know, there's a certain type of extended joke that yeah. a segment of the audience will yep. really appreciate and everyone else will be sort of like, okay, when's this over? You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anytime somebody makes a Steve, uh, not, uh, I was going to say Steve Bartek, but that's going even too deep. When in, whenever anyone makes an oingo boingo joke, my heart flutters just because it speaks right. to me. 98% of the audience, their heart might not flutter. Yeah. If anyone made a Steve Bartek joke, that would make my heart jump out of my chest so that I'm there it clearly
1: is. in the 98% that that's he
0: he was the the lead guitarist for oingo boingo oh i see and okay. he does a lot of orchestrations for danny elfman so get on that hollywood let's hear that joke coming
1: <laughs> yeah i might even call that a point two percenter uh, <laughs>
0: now i feel so marginalized <laughs>
1: This is the episode for you to feel marginalized.
0: That's okay. That's that's okay. This one might not have been written for me. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's fair. Um, what else you have on your list over there? I got I got
0: some stuff on my. We'll get to John Hamm's superpower, uh, but I, I want to get there on this route. Okay, Gutbusters.
1: Gutbusters. What okay. what were
0: some of the gags that that made you fall from your chair? If I oh, may. Oh
1: gosh, I am such a tough audience when it comes to comedy. Like most of the time, I am analyzing for story versus Mm -hmm. really in the, in the moment, enjoying the jokes. Um, I love when Melissa McCarthy gives her pep talk and she's slapping Kristen Wiig and saying, I'm life, you know, fight back, fight for what you want.
0: Can I say that I love Melissa McCarthy? Yeah, I think she's just incredible.
1: I just want to put her in my pocket and carry her around with me. That the <laughs>
0: the gutbuster that one one among several was when they were coming out, they were brainstorming ideas for the bridal shower and her idea was Fight Club and just beating <laughs> right. the shit out of her. Right, that was a brilliant joke.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I a lot of her jokes really were <laughs> were very funny. Um, were highlights of of humor in the movie.
0: What about you? They're they're on the airplane, and Melissa McCarthy puts her leg up on the wall to Uh block the guy from going through. That was very funny to me. And one of my favorite jokes was... was Terry Crews. Well, the, when they were exercising yeah. by proxy and then Terry Crews starts yelling at them, yeah. just their, like their little heads doing sit-ups right. from behind the tree <laughs> to keep an eye on what was going on. Yeah, I thought that scene was... It said a lot about the characters, about their relationship, about how they engage with the world. And it was very funny. Like, yes. it was just silly, too.
1: I also thought Kristen Wiggs, um Her portrayal of basically a, a drunk person on the airplane, just because it was so accurate, I thought... <laughs>
0: was That was another scene that I was like, "This could be about ten minutes yeah. shorter. <laughs> I did like that, though, that they, they, like, we're going to
1: Vegas! Right. They don't they go don't, to Vegas. Yeah,
0: that, yeah. I really liked how they how they set that up. That kind of bait-and-switch comedy is yeah. really, really good, Yeah, I think. well,
1: they subverted the kind of expectations of, of a movie about a bridal party, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, so. and also about Vegas. Like, it, they just promised it so right. heavy, right. and they built it up so much, and then it snatched it away.
1: Yeah, yeah. That um, was a good choice.
0: It, I liked the choice, didn't like the execution. <laughs>
1: I hear you. I I thought that the whole airplane scene was very was very funny.
0: Yes, I, did, I mm. <laughs> John Ham's superpower. That yes. was another thing that made me giggle okay. was when John Ham was like, "Yeah, but can he do this?" And all he did was touch her boob. I thought that was a very good joke was.
1: <laughs> oh, it was so good. It was it, so good because it's so true.
0: Yeah, It's just yeah. The,
1: it's it's just a certain type of guy, and yep. he played that guy exactly right.
0: Yeah, no, and that that was kind of that moment was all of it in one perfect.
1: Her expression at that moment too is just like is just perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I liked I liked John John Hamm a lot. Yeah, um, what was the name of the the, the good cop? The
1: Oh uh, Chris the, O'Dowd. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I liked
0: him. Big laughs from him anywhere or not?
1: Um i mean again i'm tough with the laughs so okay i'm stingy with the laughs that's but i fine. i find him really charming and i did like him throughout the movie wherever he appeared so
0: yep yep and that was yeah that's me expecting it to be a film that it's not i kept wanting more of him <laughs> and that was not the movie that they were making sure and i think they were right to make the movie they made instead of the movie that oh, i would look have at wanted that.
1: does that mean you've come around and no, you're no? no i'll never watch it again. <laughs>
0: but I I'm getting it. Like yeah. I didn't get it while I was watching it, Got and, it yeah. and hearing more about it. Like, um, you know, talking about it and right. then trying to think about it outside of myself. Sure. Oh, it's exhausting.
1: <laughs> so let me just ask you though, the Hit fact me. that it's called bridesmaids didn't mm-hmm. give you a clue what it was about.
0: Well, I mean, Bridesmaids <laughs> can,
1: it's not called bridesmaid in love. It's called bridesmaids. It's about The Bridal Party. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, hey, I chalk it up to three plus decades of conditioning (laughs) where uh, if I go into a movie that is about women, by women, and for women, it's a romantic comedy. Mm,
1: Interesting. I think that's really interesting.
0: This is betraying my own biases. Well,
1: I mean, it makes sense. Your expectation for the movie was that it would have a heavy... uh, through line of romance because that's typically a movie that's marketed to women is, is more often going to lean on that than, you know, that's why so many movies don't fulfill the Bechdel test. Right. Yeah. So this one actually does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In a major way. Yeah. Um, Quick question. Was it a gut buster when their guts busted in the bridal (laughs) shop?
1: I thought that was, I thought that was very funny. I know that that wasn't kind of the tone of the original project. That Mm -hmm. was an Apatow thing that he pushed them to go bigger and raunchier, broader with the humor like that. Um, So I think in some ways the movie, I I know there's some complaint about the movie feeling a little uneven tone wise. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can see that. I really liked that whole sequence. I, my the funniest part of that scene for me is when Helen is is trying to get Kristen Wiig to admit that she is also sick and Kristen Wiig is sweating yep. and trembling and I love how wrecked
0: they all looked <laughs> yes, at that point in the yes. film. That was very funny. And
1: and Kristen Wig trying to down an almond just to prove that she wasn't going yeah. to be sick. Also, I just that moment was really funny to me. And the whole sequence I I found funny as well. But um, but I know it's not for everyone. That's like really that's real toilet humor
0: that one i didn't like that scene um then i went back and i read the screenplay like i you know just found the pdf online i didn't have time to read the whole one but i did read that scene it's conservatively written Mm -hmm. like they just describe exactly what's going on it's Mm -hmm. very it's it's not gross at all Mm -hmm. It's, it's very delicate in how it's written and i liked it more on the page than i did on the stage
1: interesting yeah and it
0: makes me want to actually read the whole screenplay and see if i You know, if
1: you like the story more,
0: yeah, yeah, and also if I have, if I swap out like. Uh, Kristen Wiig for Amy Sedaris as the voice that is that character. Like right. if I like the comedy coming out of a comedian that I really think is, yeah. uh, you know, a riot, yeah. will I enjoy the story more? That'd be so, interesting.
1: Although I, I think it would be difficult now that you've seen the movie to read the to read the script and not picture those character those actors. I, uh, been, no, no, <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. The power of imagination. Yes,
0: <laughs> that's that's how robust my my brain is. Uh, let's can we talk? Let's let's do. Oh, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Let's talk about the device. Okay. So, um, what I'd like to do, we're going to try this out on this episode and see if it if it carries on. Mm-hmm. But we've got a script. Let's and what I what I think we can try to do is is try to approach it from some academic standpoint. Is there a device that this script uses that really works or really doesn't work? And just talk about that screenwriting device or that filmmaking device and try to pick yeah. it apart a little bit for five or ten minutes. Great. Just to to, to up the brainy quality of this.
1: <laughs> and we're in desperate need of yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> And I apologize on air
0: and off for <laughs> dragging this thing through the mud time and again. But I think, uh, I, can we talk about, uh, I, I have it marked down as Act 2 Hissy Fits. Okay. And uh, and this is also, I call it, the like this is kind of born from the dark night of the soul. And mm-hmm. it shows up in comedies. And I know this isn't a romantic comedy, but there is a romantic component to it. And that was when I felt like the, the, the Act 2 Hissy Fit got under my skin. Mm. Uh, should I back up and... Stop talking in riddles and start explaining what's
1: <laughs> Sure. What exactly are you complaining about now, okay. Jesse? Oh,
0: there's so much, but <laughs> let me try to focus it a little bit. It's uh, something that happens at the end of Act Two, and it works perfectly in action movies, is things have to get worse than they've ever been before, so the character has the motivation to go do the hardest thing that could ever be imagined to fix these things before all lives are lost or whatever. It, and it works in some genres, um, I don't feel like it always works in love stories. So I want to mm-hmm. focus on on the cop and Annie. Annie's the main character, mm-hmm. right? I want to focus on their love story for this because I felt like we had a, a, a quote-unquote dark night of the soul at the end of the second act with them that felt unearned. And it all for me, it, nine times out of ten, not always, nine times out of ten in romantic comedies, it feels unearned. And it's that moment uh, when something happens between the two leads, And they they go nuclear on their on their romantic love or their friendly love, whatever it is. And in this case, he made he made he no, he bought uh, baking gear so that Mm -hmm. they could bake together, which is pretty innocuous, Mm -hmm. I think, as a gesture. It was might have been a little early in their relationship for such a grand gesture. But I don't think that was like nuclear. And Annie treated it as a nuclear move. Right. And then they didn't talk. And then she didn't talk to him. And that made him so mad that he wouldn't talk to her. Right. And it felt really protracted. And I don't even know if it's always necessary to have this dark night of the soul where we separate the two people who are in love when it's a... Right. but it's uh, uh, Structurally, it's deemed to be necessary, but emotionally, it always feels sure. false to me. That's where I'm at with it. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah. So, so I didn't dislike it as much as you did. I actually thought it was... Um, Mostly effective, okay. um, and I will say that the the um, the stronger sort of separation of the two lovers is really when she uh, has the hissy fit at the bridal shower, and the main relationship, which is between her and Lillian, yes, falls apart yeah. completely. Right. Yeah. So, so for me, that scene was intended to be the much bigger sort of fallout, and yeah. this um, was more of a bump, you know, yep, kind of yep, in yep. their relationship, which was a not even really a relationship yet, you know. Yeah. So there wasn't a ton um invested in it that and that helped it not feel like so unbelievable that she would like kind of throw a, a fit and that would be enough to separate them, right? Yeah. Because they weren't really in it together. So if just put yourself in his shoes, if you had like slept with a girl, kinda had a one night stand but were interested in her and then she freaked out and left the next day, you'd sort of be like, Yeah, okay, I but this this girl might have crazy eyes and let's let her yeah. go, right?
0: Uh, but not a one night stand. They'd been bubbling that relationship for a long time as
1: well, but they slept, I yeah. mean, it wasn't really a date, and they slept together. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there wasn't a there wasn't a commitment between yeah. the two of them yeah. or yeah. any yeah. real sort of like relationship formed yet. Right. So it was sort of like a well, we did that very quickly and maybe this is going to progress or maybe it's not. And then she freaks out and leaves. I can see from his point of view being like, yeah, OK, maybe that wasn't going to be a relationship. you know? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, but I will say that his gesture, although very sweet to bring the baking stuff and and an indication that he wanted to spend more time with her and saw her as more than just you know one night stand and all that good stuff so nice contrast with John Ham in that yes. in that moment but um, from her character arc point of view, I think it makes a lot of sense. The baking she had already told him that she gave up on that she wasn't doing it anymore she'd made that clear to him right mm-hmm. um, and she is a she's a character who is avoiding who is avoiding doing the things that um, make her that cause her to risk, failure again. So it's easy for her to do things that both make her feel bad and that don't require her to risk anything genuine, right? Mm -hmm. And so for him to push her to bake again, it's too much. It's this guy that there's potential. There's real romantic potential there. He's a good guy, right? Pushing her to get back into the thing that she already failed at and that made her feel the worst about herself, right? So it's scary. So I can see from that point of view, that character freak out being logical, being emotionally logical.
0: We are making a very good case in this episode, for me, shutting my damn mouth and just listening for a minute. Well, well argued, and uh, the little note I jotted down was that I'm I'm just bringing baggage, like I'm bringing I'm bringing expectations from other films to this film, perhaps incorrectly. Well, and- all that
1: said, I, I I do think watching it, it does feel a little bit like illogical in the moment, but I think that if you really look at the emotional logic of what the character's going through, it does make sense. Yeah. Maybe it could have been executed a little bit differently so it sort of landed better. Yep. Um, I don't disagree with you there, but I do think it makes sense. In the,
0: you totally in the sold me on the emotional logic and how it fits into her arc. And I now I'm wondering if I have to rewatch the film because <laughs> there's so much there's time and again, like I bring up an issue and you're like, no, 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 this is exactly what's happening and sure. it makes sense if you think about these emotions.
1: I also think, you know, it is told it is a very familiar female point of view mm-hmm. f- for me you know so I get a lot Did of you those. have a bakery no okay <laughs> I am a terrible baker but I do understand I think yes I there's a shorter distance for me to go to understand her emotional state in this movie than there mm-hmm. probably is for you so there you go
0: yeah yeah and I have obvious problems with empathy so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I don't think it's that i think men and women handle emotions yeah. differently that's probably not a reaction you would have in that moment but i don't think i'm alone in in saying like oh yeah i kind of get it you know
0: and it's i it might just be for me it might just be frustration with movies in general that that the that these love stories always have this kind of nuclear moment that is always predicated on two people not behaving like two human beings and sure. just like Not to not to hammer on this film, because I think I I totally get what you're saying, but it's just the example that's present in my mind Yeah, that she could have just as easily said, like, look, man, this is moving way too fast. I appreciate the gesture. Let's ease off the throttle, but let's keep this conversation going. And he could have easily said, you're you're absolutely right. Right. And that would
1: have been the real world version, not the movie is, version. <laughs> I don't
0: understand why it's it's going back to that. Like, I don't understand why people can't boycott. Like, I don't understand why people don't just say, like, this is what I like about you. But this is what I don't like about you. Sure. I, we'd be way far ahead of where we are now if we could openly and honestly discuss our emotions with each other and right. And and process how other people feel about us with more efficiency.
1: Sure. And, you know, that's not necessarily what movies are there to show you. Right.
0: Um, but they, they, they uh, I hear they, they do incept sure. the ideas get into our heads that this is how we can behave and this is how we should interact with other people. Right. Like it does, we can move the needle with this, the, this. Absolutely.
1: And this, and by watching the entire movie, mm-hmm. it, you're, I mean, I think the positive message is delivered once you watch the entire movie and learn and see how, a, uh, see how a character has learned a lesson and grown as a person. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think overall, those messages are there in movies. Because I kind of feel like you're saying like movies need to do better and show us better examples. They do. You just have to watch the whole movie and take an the arc lesson. Stupid.
0: <laughs> yes. That's the whole point of an arc is that they improve. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. I'm uh, maybe I'm picky and demanding and small-minded, which is it's a not a very good combination.
1: <laughs> no, I think they're fair. I think they're fair complaints because not every movie is going to speak to every person. Yeah, right? yeah. So
0: and we can we can always be doing better that's yes, that's the truth
1: sure <laughs> is there
0: any any last words i i i want to say i have a last word do you have anything you want to jump in on no go for it thank you for for continuing to push the needle from where it landed when i first watched this film yeah. I, I really like uh, i i'd rather enjoy more things than not enjoy more things so <laughs> thank you for bringing more enjoyment sure, into my i think life it's on this. i
1: think it's interesting to discuss the movies even if you didn't enjoy them yeah, right yeah, so, yeah
0: yeah all right then uh, uh, if we're good on yeah. bridesmaids and i i hate to say it but i'm good on
1: bridesmaids <laughs> excellent
0: then it's time for the pitch <laughs> all right i'm uh, I'm a little nervous to pitch this one. I did not have the type of free time that I usually have to. So I was, you know, doing 10 minute blocks of writing here and then 15 there. It's not like I was sitting down for an hour or two. Anyway, you know what? Maybe I should quit hemming and Hahn and just get to this one. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's hear it. All right. The title is I don't. Mm. Ah, I yeah. Like okay. In fact, throughout this pitch from, from title to synopsis, there are so many elements that I was I was writing them, I was thinking, like, this is such a good idea. I'm pretty sure it probably has already been done before, and I didn't even Google I don't if oh, that's a title of a romantic comedy. You know,
1: I've never heard of a movie titled I Don't, so I think that's new, at least as far as my knowledge goes. Okay. Um, and you're really good at titles. I think all of your yes, titles have been you. very good. Yeah.
0: Let's hope I can keep that up. We're not that far into this program. <laughs> it's early for the victory lap. <laughs> Let's let's do 50 more episodes and, see. <laughs>
1: and then see how, see how we, when, when we get
0: to the film's title is some crap that people do. <laughs> then we'll know that I've fallen off. Uh, so kind of if we're high concepting it, it's maybe bridesmaids by way of the bucket list. OK, uh, got a couple of taglines for the poster if you want them. OK, he promised her happily ever after. She's not buying it. Okay. Or just how expensive is a new lease on life?
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> Still on board. You're not. You're not running out the door.
1: I, that's. Uh, there's an element of uh, money, cost, expense in there that yeah. I wasn't expecting. So are
0: you? Are you guessing what was on my mind while I was watching *Bridesmaids* at this point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I wondered if that was going to be one of your complaints about Bridesmaids because you had made that, that oh, comment about Crazy Rich Asians. So. I
0: figured I burnt enough time on last <laughs> week's episode that sure. I didn't have to obviously, <laughs> obviously did not speak to me when they were standing in that fountain listening to <laughs> yeah. someday someday say goodbye. All right. You ready for the long line? Ready. I know people come here to hear me sing, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we can we can do them dirty today. Years after leaving her millionaire fiancé at the altar, the still hurting exes meet for tea. That's a bit of a wonky sentence, but let's uh, where they discover that they both may have changed enough to make love possible if it's not too late.
1: Mm, I like this. I like this concept.
0: Um, yeah. So let's keep going. Okay. You're not, you're not, uh, boycotting no hard boycotts yet. Not yet. Okay. Let's see where, <laughs> let's see if, if I can keep you on board for the whole thing. So there's a bit of uh, framing for this film to set up that it's, it's told in a zigzagging timeline story. So this, the story starts with them sitting down for coffee. And they start talking and as they talk, we go back in time to see the mm-hmm. wedding day and then uh, we go back in time for the other things that happen throughout. The- so there's yeah. kind of this time jumping.
1: And let me just ask you really yes. quick. Is it is it present day and then the flashbacks happen in chronological order or are yes. we jumping yeah, yeah, around? Yeah. Okay.
0: And it's like Forrest Gump, how the flashbacks catch up. And at Act 3, it all starts happening in real time from, okay. from the end of Act 2 on. Mm-hmm. We catch up to where we are that cool. day. Um, two main characters, Claire, she's a, she's a Kate McKinnon type, uh, kind of that eclectic electric, uh, just this side of reality type of comedy okay. person.
1: And let me guess, she's not a baker.
0: She's <laughs> not a baker, nor has she ever been. She is, she she's, works uh, in a grocery store. she's an editor at a, at a fashion magazine oh, in cool. New York city. No, she's a uh, humble living, humble okay. background, blue collar, maybe from Pennsylvania, maybe even from Mechanicsburg. Not <laughs> sure if this is a crossover story. Um, and the, the, the feller is, is Rob. And for him, try to imagine like a John Krasinski type uh, paternal, caring, uh, disproportionately peaceful and handsome born into money. OK. All right. So let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, act Act one. So they sit down at the coffee shop and they're kind of just the, she's sitting at the coffee shop. He's the one who's called, who said, like, can we can we meet to catch up? So mm. she's sitting waiting for him. He shows up. Uh, and then we start getting their, their story up to that day, going back now. Mm-hmm. Um, starts on the, the act one is all of act one is the day of their wedding. Um, it's kind of like uh, the, the chaos of the day. And we get to know the, the financial distance between the two families. You can feel it between them. It's not aggressive, not outright, not violent or, or anything like that. But you can feel that mm-hmm. there's discord between them and there's a lack of understanding between them uh mama rob how much do you know about kenya
1: i i know it's a place
0: okay <laughs> so there's a thing like Swinky calls my mother mama Jessie. okay uh, whatever the parent is you address them as mama and then whatever the person the name of the person that you met them through. so if i say okay. mama rob or papa rob that's uh her husband's mother and father okay <laughs> it's just more efficient than ex-father-in-law or whatever sure. it is uh, mama rob pulls claire aside and uh drives the distance home like they have a little mother daughter chat in the bridal room and mm-hmm. she just like she drives the the railroad spike into her heart about the distance and i know what you're here for i know what you're doing i know what you want from my son mm-hmm. uh uh and it just it sets claire off not not like not uh, not violently aggressively off but it it derails her whole brain for the rest Mm -hmm. of the day and she's increasingly distant and removed till they finally get to the altar and she leaves she just bails on it Mm. um and she she runs right down the aisle and into act two excellent um and then what happens there is as they discuss over coffee we find out we find we learn the story of clara as she tried to she she couldn't buy into this happily ever after. She needed to earn her happily ever after. So she does all the things. She quits her her job as a, an insurance claim adjuster, whatever it is, the, mm-hmm. the the job that will go nowhere, that drives no passion in her heart. She quits it, takes out a loan, goes to community college, and does tries to be life with all of her heart. Okay. Um, and we learn about Rob, how that this moment that he really did love her, And that when she left him, it really sent him into a a tailspin of heartbreak. And uh, it it hurt him a lot, Mm -hmm. maybe even to the point that he became a bit of a cad and started taking it out on other women. Because he's rich, he's handsome, Mm -hmm. he's charismatic, so he kind of has, you know, take a number and get in line. And he has no feel, like he just isn't loving anymore. He's not open anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's kind of like the first half of act two is seeing her try to climb Mm -hmm. and face all the challenges of climbing and watching him slip down Mm -hmm. and contend with all the the emptiness of that kind of slipping um then the big question comes up i don't know if this is end of act two or middle of act two but the big question comes up claire wants to know why did he why did he want to meet her today? Why do they need to do this kind of denouement this post-mortem on a relationship that that is far in the in the rear view but the the hurt is still ever present like they can still feel the the, the anguish of, of the separation of, of the love that was shared and lost and all that and uh, he's he's terminally ill mm. and he's got a year and a half two years left to live okay. and he wants somebody to spend that time with and he hasn't found anyone. That knows him, that loves him, that has invested in him like he's invested in her, mm-hmm. and he is speaking almost friend to friend. Like I want somebody to spend my last year with, mm-hmm. and to to just share that time on earth, and to love, and to be loved. If you want to, lo- it's a very big question. It's a huge ask. Yeah. It's a huge ask. Right. Um, and she contends with all that, like all that, all the weight of that request of that favor i guess sure is it a it's a very big thing yeah Yeah. um and she she goes for it she's gonna she's gonna try to do this thing so they they get together he does want to get married he doesn't want to die single Mm -hmm. they get the they they so they call the wedding back on Mm -hmm. years and years later um and start patch like trying to patch this whole thing back up a week before the wedding he dies um and now claire is Stuck turning a wedding into a funeral and having to host both families and be kind of uh, emotionally present for both families when she w- in, a, in a mirror of how she was very emotionally absent for mm-hmm. one person. Like she couldn't even do for one person at the beginning of the story. Now she has to do it for two entire families mm-hmm. in a much more complicated way. And she nails the dismount. She does. <laughs> it. It's a, as happy an ending as we can get with that setup. So that's that's the story. Great. The end.
1: Yeah. So I really like the um, I really like the plot progression that you've come up with. So I have to say that first. I think that there's a lot in there that's really unique and cool. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see coming. And and yet it all makes sense, you know, and um, kind of like, you know, looking at it from the 40,000 foot view. I'm like, oh, this is a really interesting version of this story. Right. Um, so I like all that stuff. Great. Okay. Great job on that. Okay.
0: Side. Okay. I'm looking forward to the next <laughs> sentence, which is, and thank you for listening uh, no. to <laughs> Movies the Podcast.
1: No. Um, What's ho- not working? However, here, here are, I don't think there are things that aren't working. I think there are a few things to be careful of. When, okay. When, theoretically, when you're writing this. Okay. And they are, they are these things. Um, to me, it, I, although I think the, the, de- the device of flashing for flashing back to the wedding day while they're mm-hmm. talking sounds, it's one of those things that sounds good on paper. Um, I feel like in the execution, that's very difficult to make interesting because it's just two people talking and then showing us what they're talking about. So, unless there's some, if you can kind of build a question in there that we're on our, you know, on the edges of our soon, seats for. As
0: soon as you said that, my thought was in the editing room, just being like, yeah, those all can go. Everything <laughs> yeah. in the coffee shop can go.
1: Yeah, which is kind of, I think, the challenge with yeah. that, right? But I don't think it's impossible. The-
0: but is it worth running 100 laps when we could walk 10 well. feet and get to just as as emotional and funny a place? Like, Could we get to the comedy and the emotion sooner by dropping that conceit? Yeah,
1: and that's a, it's a good question. I actually really like the idea of having that conceit because I, as you were describing it and saying, and then we catch up to real time and this is what they're going through now. There's something intriguing about that for sure. But, yeah. but that is one of those devices that tends to, you're like, oh, we're going to see it in a dual timeline. Present day, they're talking about it. And then in the past, yeah. it's happening. And you're like okay, so then why are they talking about, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's sort of like make sure that there's a reason either there's new information coming out that, so they're learning something. There's some reason that they're talking about this now, right. To, uh, so that, so that like their conversation is either reframing the past or the past that we're seeing is reframing their conversation. So we're learning more.
0: That was something I did want to play with. It was coming through my head that like, they could say a thing and then we see it from either of the other person, right. person's perspective and find out that they like the other name that I wanted to put in the high concept was Annie Hall, that there mm-hmm. can be some a little bit of reality bending sure. and perception questioning throughout well, so the thing.
1: Another example I, or something that to look at to kind of see how they do it is the show The Affair, right? Um, the pilot of that is the only episode that I've seen, but that... From what I understand, at least the first season of that is told from it's it's the story. I'm
0: taking notes like this isn't being recorded. Let me just listen <laughs> to what you're saying and I can listen to
1: <laughs> um, So that um, that first season is the story of two people having an affair. Right. Mm-hmm. And we see it happen from both points of view. So we see what she thinks happened when like the day that they met, which was, he was clearly coming on to her and he was the one who initiated or mm-hmm. whatever. And then, and we also see it from his point of view, which is like, well, she was this flirtatious waitress who, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I think there is something, you know, to be gained if you can do your version of that, where you're using the device really in a way that's, that makes it necessary. Right. Okay. So that's the only challenge I think with that with your first act um what was the f- oh so then act two first half of Act two is we see kind of where their lives went after the yeah. the day at the altar right and this
0: is a lot of time with our two main characters apart telling two totally different stories so, which could be a problem
1: uh it could be if you think about it as a dual main character situation, but I actually think she is your main character
0: she is yeah yeah yeah
1: so I think if you lead with that and focus on her experience um and use his experience as sort of the subplot.
0: Yeah. Right. Yes. yes I think yes. you'll.
1: I think you'll be okay there. That
0: was the idea. For every like roughly three minutes she gets, he gets about one.
1: Right. Yeah. So, and I think that that will help um, make the whole thing feel cohesive, right? Because we're really seeing her experience, and we're going to see her character arc, yes. right? She's yeah. the one who comes out at the end and has to grow and change, and is the, <laughs> throwing the funeral and all that yes. stuff. So it's really her story. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to sort of like fill in those valleys with the story of his situation and how he was affected by not being together and basically why he's coming back to her now.
0: Yeah. And also I thought it would be fun to play with little like quick flash cutaways to tell his story for him to say a sentence and then to show how that sentence actually happened in life. You could get a lot of good, uh, clever little twists and turns on, on on how we speak and how we behave and how we sanitize stories to make them easier to digest for other people.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a good kind of, um, you know, sort of subtexty thing to keep in mind. Like if you are going to write this story, Mm -hmm. which I, I really like this story. Uh, I think you should write it in all of your free time, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but I think that's a, that's a good sort of like big idea to keep Mm -hmm. in mind because that will separate this and elevate this story. Right. Um, if you are saying something bigger and more interesting about the way we, um, kind of tell the story of our lives that yeah. might not be totally accurate yeah, and yeah, you know and yeah, the
0: way we curate information yeah, for others and
1: especially because is, the reason they're coming together is because he wants someone who actually knows him and loves him to spend the rest of his life with right the rest yeah. of his life being a year or whatever Yeah, yeah so I think there's something really nice about that thought about how you might meet up with an ex and try to make it sound like your life has been okay without them or something along those lines and then you know their situation, which is more along the lines of, you know, what he wants to be totally honest with someone and yeah. live authentically for the last year of his life.
0: And then, after if they if he bends the truth a little bit at the coffee meeting, the truth can come out over the course of the year before he dies. And in the face of death, it is really like, who gives a shit if you slept <laughs> with five people instead of three people? Sure, you're gonna be gone forever right. in a matter of weeks,
1: right? So, I think interestingly, what's at stake for her in this story is is all emotional, you know what I mean? So that's the other challenge, I think. But again, I don't think that's impossible. And I think that if you can do that well, it's actually a more powerful movie, right? Because it's the emotional stakes that really get us, really punch us in the gut, you know, when they work. So, um, you know, I think you'll want to play around with that and find the strongest way to kind of engage us in her story and why her story matters to her. Um, And it probably has something along the line something to get my second one uh something to do with uh the area of like you know what's at stake is possibly living your life without having that great honest true love right because like if she doesn't it sounds like he was he was that for her sort of at one point and then it fell apart or in her eyes it fell apart or it wouldn't or- have worked and because of their class difference. But yeah. then, you know, she's getting one more chance to kind of like have that great true love and she hasn't found anything else to replace it in the meantime. So from our perspective, it will be like that was it for her. Like she needs to try that again, right? Yeah, yeah. I... <sighs>
0: I don't even know, I, like, it, that's something I was wrestling with a lot in this pitch, in, the, in conceiving it, was, is she marrying into the money? Like, is that, that's a huge question that has to be answered before going into first draft, is, like, does, is that, how, where does that rank on her evaluation scale of whether or not this marriage should happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think yeah, it's pretty high.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And, so it sounded like when and you were, I think
0: she hates herself for it being so high.
1: Right. Right. Uh, I was going to say it's an interesting topic, I guess, because it sounded like when you were describing her, she had some sort of, you know, motivation in her that was like, I need to prove that I can do this on my own. Like I can support mm-hmm. myself. I can be a person who can stand on their own two feet. That's not taking the easy way by marrying into money. yeah. Right. And that's kind of what's motivating her in the first half of act two right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So then also what becomes, or what, yeah, what, what comes to be the the stakes of the situation when he asks her to sort of put all of that on hold, put her life on hold and spend a year with him so that they can have a great time for a year and a half until he dies. Right. Yeah. Is who, who am I? Right. What kind of person am I? And am I taking sort of the easy way out by you know, because he's offering her basically a big gift. Like I will support you for the for the next year of your life or whatever, right? It, kind I, of, it sounded like that's what you were saying. Put your life on hold and come spend. We'll we'll travel the world together for a year and a half or whatever.
0: I I I in my mind, well, okay. There's a, a there's nothing in stone quite yet. Sure. But in the his perspective is growing up, his biggest fear was being seen as a a, a trust fund baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he worked double hard like his dad made all the money, but he didn't want to be seen as a loafer. So he's been aggressively, aggressively pursuing the the dollar in his life. And he has to reevaluate that decision like what I, I didn't want him to be a trust fund kid or to be uh, uh, obsessed with money. The obsession is with proving that he's not obsessed with money by outdoing his father Mm -hmm. it's a very he's a he's a bit complicated and i haven't found the words for him yet
1: but so my only concern with um with sort of the way you're describing it at this Mm -hmm. point is that so when he asks her to spend the rest of his life with him right what does that mean to him
0: um it, it means
1: what will they be doing
0: i think he wants somebody to share the emotions do you think funerals are sad
1: uh they can be
0: Okay, because so the most depends fun Depends on who died. <laughs> <laughs> like, some of the most fun I've ever had in my life was at funerals. Like, the, the after party. The party ain't great, the, but the did after the other party, party...
1: Did the other people have fun at them? Was yeah, it, Or was yeah, it yeah. just you?
0: Just, no, no, just that, like, it, you cut loose. There's mm-hmm. you, you bury them, which is really sad and hard, but when you, the after thing, like, whatever you do afterwards, sure. the picnic or the dinner or with the... I think it the, depends
1: on the circumstances. The
0: reception sure. uh, is mad fun usually really out of control and really really wild fun uh so i don't i don't know how sad he is about dying okay i think he wants to to share the 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 rainbow of emotions with somebody i don't know
1: that's not really what i'm asking what when he says when he says here's my big ask i'm dying in a year and a half or let's just call it a year for for clarity (laughs) i'm dying in a year. I want you, I want to spend the last year of my life with someone who gets me and knows me and who I love and who loves me back. What does he mean by that? Like, what are they going to spend that year doing? Are they just going to move in together and get married and then still have their day jobs? Or that's what I
0: was thinking. Okay. Like he just wants to have somebody to come home to and maybe even fight with every, like he wants the most normal in my mind. And that could change. This yeah. could all change. That's a less than- big ask. Then
1: than putting your life on hold mm. and because she's not really giving anything up unless she hates this guy. And so it'd be a huge sacrifice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. that's, um, although I think that's an interesting idea too, that's not really, it's not that big of an ask.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Cause you're
1: she's right. already, she's already sort of like, well, you were a great guy and yeah. maybe I was, maybe it was me that screwed <laughs> yeah. things up. So if, oh, oh, you want to get married again? Yeah, if you okay. could just come
0: around and I'll be fantastic with you in the house, that would be really nice right, of you. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're right, you're right. So there there you're should be some, some wrenches there. in these gears. <laughs> If I could be perfect while you're nearby, that would be really helpful for me.
1: <laughs> right. And we get to have this great honeymoon of a relationship, yep, and then yep. you're going to die, yeah, and it never has to go downhill.
0: You totally could go do whatever you want after right, it's over. Right, right.
1: We get to have titanic love. Oh, and what? Then... You're
0: in the will? <laughs> oh, how'd that
1: happen? Right. I'm only seeing upsides for her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, so that's something little... to think about.
0: <laughs> told you this one was squishy. I told you.
1: <laughs> you did, but I actually really like the idea of it. I think these are just the... The challenges to yeah, work yeah, yeah. out, but, yeah. but it's a—it's a, it's a and really none of them are
0: insurmountable. Like they're no, all totally no, yeah. they could be workshopped yes, and, and finished. And, I think and it's a through. really
1: charming idea, though.
0: I think it could be. I think it could be a very emotional and also very funny. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of room for yeah. for deep, deep pathological comedy on yeah. this. Uh, and that's that's what I like more than seeing people shit in the middle of the road. I like the deep pathos comedy. Sorry, Paul Vague. I didn't mean to write off your whole film because of one shot. It was it's written very delicately. Yeah, that scene. It's really delicate how yeah. they wrote it. Um, anyway, because
1: ladies wrote it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go. I, you know what? I'm not going to watch the film, but I am going to read. I'm going to read the screenplay. Okay. That's that's the promise I'll make here and now on air on movies, <laughs> Good. the podcast.
1: Well, so uh, I don't know if we're done talking about your pitch, but I I was just going to wrap up my thoughts and say, I do think it's really charming. I think it, like you said, there's a ton of opportunity for both humor and real genuine emotion there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a, uh, Interesting, fresh way to do kind of the romance or even romantic comedy if you make it that comedic, right? So, so it's a good hook, I think. Um, you keep topping yourself every week with your ideas.
0: Don't say that because that means that there's (laughs) gonna be you're gonna crash. Well, we're gonna crash, we're definitely gonna crash soon enough. Um, and I'll I'll keep trying to well okay here's another thing is maybe the ideas aren't getting better but I'm trying to figure out new ways to pitch anyone watching the video feed will see that I had index cards with each beat yeah laid out on it and kind of so so anyway I'm trying to pitch better and better each time well and I think it's also like it's
1: it is yeah and I, I think it's also <laughs> I think it's also challenging you to um, come up with and flesh out with new stories every week which is a great muscle to build right.
0: That's, a, that's something I'm worried about. And I'm going to trust you to identify the problem if it becomes one. Like I'm still, I'm always going to be one person. Mm-hmm. So if we get to the. <laughs> Breaking don't, news. Don't want to blow the lid <laughs> off this pot. But if we get to a point where you know 15 20 pitches in it starts to sound kind of the same yeah
1: if you repeat yourself i will tell you yeah
0: yeah let's and then we'll need to talk about like should we change format should we bring someone else into pitch for a week or every now and then and Mm -hmm. get some variety going on and you those of you listening at home you're allowed to write in and say like ah it sounds sounds (laughs) samey at this point not really sure what you're bringing to the table (laughs) jesse All right, then uh, I think we're good on that yeah. pitch. I'm really looking forward to re-listening to this episode and kind of doing the note-taking on your, <laughs> on your feedback. Um, and if we're good, we're good? Yeah, I think then we're good. Then it is time for... Something. Anything else.
1: Oh my goodness. You have to go first.
0: I do. Because, yeah. Oh, uh, I, I was gonna, I was, you know what? Okay. I'll, do, I'll do my something, anything else. And then I've got a song that we can, we can write out on okay. that is not Michael Jackson related. Okay. Don't worry. Um, Here's what's been on my mind. And it it hits me every time I'm at the grocery store and I'm walking past the aisle eight, I guess it is not important to the story. (laughs) Uh, Solo cups, those red party cups. How brilliant was that move? Like everybody puts their logo on everything. Mm -hmm. Solo cup didn't put their logo on those cups, which means that every movie can use them, which means that so like that's just party cups. Yeah. Because they didn't put their logo on. Everybody knows that thing. So that's what that's I was thinking true. about.
1: Excellent, uh, not something I've ever thought of before. But I guess uh, you're right. It's
0: going to hit you every time you walk <laughs> by Solo Cups. You're going to be like, "Brilliant, brilliant!" Because Dixie Cups always said, "Like Dixie yeah. Cup" along the yeah. side. Huh. Interesting. Not solo. Not solo.
1: <laughs> All right. So my something anything else is uh, the game Telestrations. Have you heard heard of I this have game? Not. It's really fun to play with a group of people. It's sort of like a it's sort of like Pictionary meets telephone. Um, so you're, you're, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, it's, it's basically the quick explanation is you sit in a circle, you each have a, a Pad, like a dry erase pad, and you basically draw things based on a word that you've gotten, you pass it, the next person tries to guess what it is, they pass it along, the next person tries to draw what that person guessed without seeing all the previous okay. things. Okay, so
0: I draw a hamburger, then I pass it to you, you see it, you say sandwich, and then the next person draws a sandwich. Exactly. and then
1: exactly. So then when you get around to the beginning, you get mm-hmm. to see the evolution of how it all went awry, and...
0: It's really funny. These are, that sounds like a, like a microcosm. This, this, this program that we're doing is basically, here's an idea. Let's convert that idea in a very macro form. This sounds like a much more fun, efficient way to do
1: this. This is the party version of this, of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So next week, uh, please join us when uh, we just draw pictures, pass them to each other, and then write words on the back.
1: That's going to be super boring. <laughs> is
0: that? If, was that your Saturday? Is that, that was
1: Saturday. Okay, yeah.
0: awesome, yes, awesome. That was fun. Not to not to bring your private life too deep into this. <laughs> um, and then, oh 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 oh. Okay, good. Um, then what I'd like to do is I almost pushed a button on a thing accidentally. Uh, I'd like to. Uh, say where people can find us and then I've got a song that we can write out on Perfect. That, uh, that that I really really like uh, my name is Jesse Kester you can find me at hollywoodfishbowl.com if you like this podcast we've got the hollywoodfishbowl another podcast that you could be listening to and go back and listen to Naomi's episode she was a guest on it <laughs> um, at, and at HW Fishbowl on Instagram and Twitter if you'd be so kind Naomi where can we find you
1: you can find me at rightandco.com that's my website and also my Facebook group which is the screenplay lab
0: all right and there's this i'm going to actually type that in after this episode (laughs) because i don't i don't think i've joined that yet but i do want to um write Mm w-r-i-t-e and not an ampersand co-co that's right all right uh and the song we're writing out on today is i i implore you i will have a link to this video in the in the in the description of this episode it is a japanese song called ruju no dengon it's a great Great little ditty, but the video is incredible. It's a live <laughs> performance, and uh, the dresses are just through the roof. So right. after, you, after you're done listening to this, pull your car over, uh, load up the YouTubes, do not drive and watch at the same time. Uh, and we'll be back next week. What will oh. we be back next week with? Is it is it Mad Max or Eternal Sunshine? I'm going to let you choose. those. Oh,
1: my goodness. Let's let's keep it a surprise. How about that?
0: Ah, yeah. So all y'all like, we should listen to Mad Max or watch what well, anyway, we'll see, we'll be back next week. <laughs> Did not nail the dismount on this episode. <laughs> and until then, please enjoy Nuju No Dengon. Thank you so much for joining. Bye.
2: Bye. mm <laughs>